July 17th, 1939. The party of six had left the Katahdin Stream campsite in Maine around 1 o'clock to make the Hunt Trail climb. The group included Don Fendler, 12 years old, his father, two brothers, Tom and Ryan, and his friends, Henry and Fred. Don and Henry left the rest of the group behind and climbed ahead. They had almost reached the summit when the mist closed around them and shut off their view of the mountain below. They had seen a man standing to the right on a spur leading to what is called the knife edge. He waved to the boys and started toward them. Henry suggested waiting for the man to reach them and all going down together. Don, who was cold and shivering, decided not to wait, but to start down alone to join his dad and brothers. Henry tried to convince Don to wait, but determined, Don set off alone. The clouds were like gray smoke that hid Henry from view before Don had gone a dozen yards. The going was rough, and the trail wound in and around huge rocks. He hadn't noticed so many large rocks on the way up. After going quite a distance, he couldn't find the trail that he expected to see if he had reached the correct plateau. He shouted again and again, with no return answer. He could hear only the sounds of the wind. It started to sleet and formed thin sheets of ice on his jacket, and it was seeping through his dungarees. By this time, he was sure he was off the trail. He then ran into a tangle of wax myrtle, sometimes walking on it, most times falling and breaking through the plant. He kept moving to stay warm. He came upon a trail marker. It read, Saddle Trail. He remembered hearing that it was a dangerous trail, full of landslides and loose rocks that went far into the woods, so he decided not to take it. He ran, stumbled, and sometimes crawled on his hands and knees, cried and yelled, but he kept going down. Finally, he came to the timberline and saw large, weather-beaten trees and thick shrubs. His sneakers were getting cut from the sharp stones. He was scratched and very tired, and it was getting dark. It was raining, but a little warmer down among the trees. He found a stream, drank, and then went to a big tree where he put some moss in the hollow near its roots. He heard many strange, frightening sounds, but finally curled into a ball, cold and hungry, and fell asleep. When he awoke the next day, he started imagining that stumps were people. He remembered what he learned in Scouts. Keep your head, and you'll come out all right. That helped him to be calmer. He prayed throughout his ordeal, and he always felt better after his prayers. He had taken off his dungarees because they were wet through and hurt his legs. He carried them and tied the strings of his sneakers and hung them on his arm with the dungarees. He went down to the brook and remembered the rule he had heard in scouts. When lost, follow a stream down. So that is what he did. It was slow going because of rocks and brush and bare feet. After crawling under branches and brush, he discovered his sneakers were gone. Day and night, he was hounded by black flies and mosquitoes in his eyes and ears and around his mouth. He was weak and hungry. He found strawberries and ate as many as he could. He saw big, fat trout in the stream, but there was no way to catch or cook them. 
As he continued walking, he came upon another meadow of strawberries, got down on all fours, and gobbled them as fast as possible. It was getting dark again, and he found a stump. He took out his dungarees and placed them under a small log. He crawled into a hollow log in a sitting position, with his jacket covering his legs. In the morning, he crawled out of the log, stiff and sore, and continued eating berries when he found them, always thinking, around the next bend in the stream, I will find someone fishing or camping. Don lost his dungarees in the stream when he was hopping from stone to stone along the creek. He found a mossy spot near the stream this third night. He went to sleep, listening to the beautiful sound of the brook. Day four, stumbling along, he was surprised he came upon four or five deer feeding in the open. He had gotten weaker and had to work harder to get through the brush and once almost lost his jacket that got caught on a thorny vine. Suddenly, he came around a clump of berry bushes and came face to face with a big black bear standing on his hind legs. The bear saw him and screamed as if like a person. (laughs) Both stared at each other. Don was not able to move. Then the bear made a big leap sideways and bobbing up and down went to the other side of the stream. By now, his feet were cut and lame and his hip hurt when he walked. After seeing the bear disappear in the woods, he continued walking and found an old road. There were no signs of any horse or wagon wheel tracks, but it was much more comfortable walking and that road would inevitably lead to another road. Day 5. After another uncomfortable night in the woods, this day was spent walking along the road and continually slapping at flies and mosquitoes. Finally, his arms got so tired that he just let them bite him. Still walking on that road, night came, and Don got under a tree and tried to sleep. The frogs were very loud. So he got up in the dark and feeling the road with his feet went very slowly. Don came to an opening in the trees and saw the stars. He saw a big tree, crawled up close and dropped down. Too tired to go another step, he went to sleep. Day 6. Don woke in bright daylight and heard a chipmunk. He imagined that the chipmunk was asking him what he was doing there and if he was lost. Cheer up, he believed the chipmunk was telling him. A camp was just around the corning, and there was bacon frying and maybe an egg or two. Seeing and hearing the chipmunk cheered Don up as he lay there. He tried to lift his head, but it just plopped back down. He wasn't glad another day had come because it meant torture on the road. Throbbing feet, burning bites, hunger and fear. But he pulled himself up by hanging onto the tree and started on again. After maybe two or three miles, he saw a pile of ten rusty cans. These looked good to Don because they showed that someone had been there. He soon came to a clearing and deserted cabin. Don opened the door and it almost fell off its hinges. There were only empty cans in the cupboard and a bed with a blanket. He found a big knife and an iron bar. He went outside and tried to start a fire. He made sparks, but wasn't able to get a fire started. He had seen some fat, lazy trout in the stream, but he knew he couldn't catch one, even if he had a fire. 
He went back inside and grabbed the blanket from the bed, folded it, and took it with him. Its smell almost made him sick. Despite the smell, he spread out the blanket outside the cabin in an open space, lay down on it with his shirt covering his back, and went to sleep. He slept all day and felt much better when he woke up, except for the sunburn on his legs after sleeping in the sun. He packed up and continued on his way. Rounding a bend, he saw something that made his heart jump with joy. A telephone wire. It cheered him up and gave him the courage that he would find help. That night, he crawled under a tree and curled up in his blanket. He had strange dreams, many about being in a New York automat with nickels. An automat is a fast food restaurant where food is served via vending machines. Automats first appeared in 1895. In his dreams, every time he dropped a nickel, a ham sandwich would appear, but a hand from behind the machinery would grab the meal. The same thing happened with lemon pie. He woke after the dream and stayed awake for a long time. The wind in the trees sounded like a storm was coming. When it was light enough to travel, he folded his blanket, said his prayers, cried, and hollered for food. As he walked, he did find more strawberries and ate all he could find. He was down on his stomach, getting a drink from the stream when he heard an airplane's hum. He ran and ran to try to get to a place where he could see the plane, but it zoomed right on. He sat down and cried. Finally, he continued along his way. The blanket was heavy, and one end slipped down, and Don tripped on it and fell to the ground. He got up but left the blanket where he dropped it and continued on his way. His legs were getting stiff, and it was difficult to walk. His toenails were broken and bleeding, and there were thorns in the middle of his soles. He tried to get them out, but they were deeply embedded and broken off. His head ached, and he didn't want to move, but he needed to get to a tree so he could sleep. He felt dizzy and staggered. As he continued along, he saw a big bear ahead eating berries. He crouched down behind the bushes and stayed very quiet. The bear kept eating and making grunting noises. Don knew he couldn't run or climb a tree in his current condition, so he stayed silent. And finally, the bear dropped down on his front feet and strolled away. Day 7 Mosquitoes badly bit him. His eyelids swelled up. He tied his shirt around his head, and his jacket was on his back. Black flies crawled inside his coat. He approached a fork in the road. A trail went to the right, while the telephone wires continued to the left. The stream was on the right. He decided to keep close to the water, so he turned right, abandoning the telephone wire. He was getting frail. He noticed how skinny his arms were. He knew he had to get food soon. He walked for a while in the stream. He was limping and stumbled and fell into the water. His fleece-lined jacket became soaked and his head went underwater. He feared he would drown, but he was carried along by the current and was able to grab some branches growing on a sandbar. He managed to crawl up on the sloping bank, exhausted, and fell asleep in the warmth of the sun. When he awoke, the sun had gone way down on the horizon, and he was surprised to find his jacket was almost dry. 
he began again to walk down the stream and made slow progress. That night, Don again slept under a tree on some moss. He woke up during the night shivering. He heard something big and bulky walking, something drinking, and a high screech that made his blood turn cold. After a long while, 12-year-old Don finally drifted off to sleep. When he woke in the morning, he was afraid it would be another day of painful walking and a hunger, a day like all the rest. Day 8. He went back to the stream for a drink of water. He climbed on a rock to avoid a deep trout hole and, too weak, found himself sliding into the water. He felt something wriggling on his legs and, looking down, saw that he was covered in bloodsuckers. He began to yell and scream and scratched and tore at them. He rubbed himself with sand, and they dropped off. He lay down on a sandbar and dozed. When he awoke, he felt better. Don made his way back up the bank of the stream and right away found what looked to be a trail. He followed it slowly, and he found his knees were shaking. Several times while lost, he sensed his guardian angel was with him, which gave him great comfort. After he had gone about a half mile along the trail, Don discovered a gunny sack nailed to a tree trunk. It was old and rotten and had a hole, but it made him think of a sleeping bag. He took it down and threw it over his arm along with his blue shirt. He put the sack over his head and peeped through the hole. That helped keep the bugs off, but he stumbled and every stumble hurt. He approached some deserted cabins with their doors falling off and weeds on the doorsteps. He looked in each can from each cottage to find something to eat, but all were empty. He continued walking in a haze, and looking down, he discovered that the tip of his big toe was cut off. Blood was coming out fast. He must have hit a sharp rock or walked over a piece of glass near the cabins. He never even felt it. His toes were numb, but he sat down and held his toe tightly until the bleeding stopped. He wondered if people were looking for him. At this point, memories of what happened next became foggy and unclear. At some point, he found a hollow tree, put the shirt over his legs, and the sack around his head. He slept, but was unclear if another evening had passed or only a few hours. The passage of time became harder to track. Weak from exhaustion and the lack of food, Don noticed the stream seemed to appear wider than it had previously. Day 9. When Don tried to get up, he was sick to his stomach, and his head ached. He knew he had to get up and continue. The flies were terrible, and his toe hurt a great deal. He prayed for four things. He asked God not to let Mommy and Dad worry too much, to take care of the other children. He asked for food and for someone to come in and get him. He still hadn't gotten up and just lay there and cried and looked up at the sky through the branches of the trees. Then Don pulled himself up and through some bushes caught a glimpse of open water. He had found a pond or a lake. And there across the water was a log cabin. He crawled through more bushes and came out on the bank where he could see the cabin better. And he saw two canoes. There must be people there, he thought and they would help me and give me something to eat. Don later found out that he had reached the east branch of the Penobscot River. He viewed a man come out into a clearing, and Don started yelling and waving his arms. Don saw the man looking toward him 
and then the man ran into the house. He quickly came running out of the house with others following him. They slid a canoe into the water and shouted to him to stay where he was. Don knew his ordeal was over. He became weak, and the next thing he remembers is a big man picking him up. This man was Mr. McMorn. Don clutched his gunny sack. He didn't want to leave it as he believed it saved his life. He was brought into the cabin, and Mrs. McMorn greeted him with a bowl of soup. He wanted to drink it right down, but had to be fed slowly by the spoonful. After a phone call to his mom and dad, he was put in bed and remembered God. He hadn't thanked him for all that he had done. He closed his eyes and thanked God for kind people, for his help, and for his good mommy and good dad. Don was four feet, seven inches tall and weighed 74 pounds the day he was lost. He came out of the woods weighing 58 pounds. Guides who heard Don's story recreated the route he must have followed and estimated that he walked 90 or more miles, covering as much as 10 to 14 miles a day over difficult wilderness terrain. Don Fendler's disappearance sparked a massive search and rescue operation and became a national media sensation. Don's mother received thousands of Western Union telegrams from other mothers across the United States, offering prayers and words of encouragement. Don credited his training as a Boy Scout and his faith for keeping him alive during his nine-day struggle for survival. President Franklin D. Roosevelt recognized his achievement as a youth hero, awarding him the Army and Navy Legion of Valor Medal in 1940. As an adult, Don's career was in the military, enlisting at age 17 and serving during World War II in the Navy and enlisting later in the Army as a Green Beret. He served in Vietnam and West Germany and obtained the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, retiring in 1978. Don continued to spend summers in Maine throughout his life and shared his story with Maine's youth in classrooms and other state gatherings. His account is told in the 1939 book, Lost on a Mountain in Maine, as told by Don to Joseph B. Egan. The book has been essential reading for all of Maine's youth for decades and continues to be highly regarded to this day. Don passed away on October 9, 2016, in Bangor, Maine, at the age of 90. This episode of In the Wild was narrated by Ian Scotto and written by Beverly Fraser. Subscribe for more on our website at narrative.fm. Thanks for listening.